gave the lead, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went to look at the tomb. There was a violent earthquake, for an angel of the Lord came down from heaven, and going to the tomb, rolled back the stone and sat on it. His appearance was like lightning, and his clothes were white as snow. The guards were so afraid of him that they shook and became like dead men. The angel said to the women, Do not be afraid, for I know that you are looking for Jesus, who was crucified. He is not here. He is risen, just as he said. Come and see the place where he lay. Then go quickly and tell his disciples, He has risen from the dead and is going ahead of you into Galilee. There you will see him. Now I have told you. So the women hurried away from the tomb, afraid yet filled with joy, and ran to tell his disciples. Suddenly Jesus met them. Greetings, he said. They came to him, clasped his hands for his feet, and worshipped him. Then Jesus said to them, Do not be afraid. Go and tell my brothers to go to Galilee. There they will see me. May God add his richest blessing to Pray together and ask for the spirit of our risen King to give us understanding and wisdom and the strength to obey what we see here in this text. Lord God, we come before you this morning and we ask for your help. We ask for the spirit that you have given to us to be our helper, to give us understanding, to help us see and grasp what is here in this text about the wonder and the power of the resurrection. And would you transform us as we learn and as our minds are renewed, we pray in Christ's name. Amen. Well, he is risen. Let's say that like we believe it. He is risen. He is risen Forevermore. The Son of God has been raised unto life, offering those who trust in him victory over sin, over the grave, and has granted them an eternal spot in the unshakable kingdom of our God. And truly, despite what the hymn itself may say, a thousand tongues could never convey the praise that our Savior deserves. And so this morning, as we celebrate this great resurrection, we've come to a resurrection account in the Gospel of Matthew that is no doubt being read all over the world today at many Easter services. We're going to look at verses 1 to 10 here in Matthew 28, and ultimately three main issues are being addressed here in this passage. The historical nature of the resurrection, the truth regarding the resurrection and what is associated with it, as well as the transformation which the resurrection brings about in the people of God. So hence the very long and perhaps even awkward sermon title this morning. The historicity, the truth, and the transformation produced by the resurrection. That's the best I could do. But as we focus on these things, may the risen King give us understanding and the faith and deeper love to obey what we see here in this text, because it is amazing truth. And so the first thing we're going to look at is and to do with the historical aspect of the resurrection and to talk about the day of the resurrection. Now, you may think that's not important, but it's in the text for a reason, and we're going to talk about the significance of this. 
the day of the resurrection, all the Gospels note that after the Sabbath, on the third day or the first day of the week, it was then in history when the great resurrection of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ took place. Now, what do I want us to remind us about this day? Well, perhaps some of you may be wondering, or sometimes ask yourselves, maybe you're sitting around the table after church, wondering, why, why does the church meet on Sundays? Why does the Lord's people get together on Sunday mornings? Why is it this day? Why, why didn't we continue to meet on the normal Jewish Sabbath? After all, Jesus was Israel's Messiah. He didn't come to fulfill their law, so then why is it that the people of God now meet on Sundays, the first day of the week? For what reason? Well, the church began to meet on Sunday, the first day of the week, because it was on this day that Christ was raised. It was on this day where the triumph happened, and so they gathered together on a Sunday morning to come together and worship the risen King. To celebrate the triumph has taken place. And so that's why the church gathers on Sunday mornings. Or on Sundays. It's been called the day of the Lord. And so that's what Sunday mornings are to be. Now I'm saying this because here's the reality that we have to be aware of. The resurrection of Jesus Christ is not something that is just to be celebrated one Sunday of the year. You know, Easter Sunday, believe me, I love pancakes. And I love getting together and having a great time of celebration, and I love remembering that Christ is alive. But, church, we are meant to celebrate that every time we come into this place on a Sunday morning. Every time we come into this place, the risen King is alive and in our midst. Not just today. Not just today. So be encouraged to know that as we gather on the street, as we come, as we hear the Word of God every Sunday, we're not just meeting together amongst ourselves, but the risen Christ, the Son of God, the Eternal One who is before all time and who has made us and went to the cross and has been raised from the grave in victory. He's here. He's in our midst right now. Do we grasp this? We know in parts, we don't know perfectly. That's an amazing truth that this morning, even as this word is going forth, the risen king is in our midst. He is desiring to bring about his kingdom. And it's not just this morning, but it's something he does every single time we gather, every Sunday. And so may our Sundays, may next week, be just as big of a celebration of the resurrection as today. Because our King is alive. As we come, we celebrate His presence. We celebrate the fact that He is alive. And we come to celebrate what that means. Because the second thing that we see here in this text is the resurrection of Christ is not something that we just celebrate because Christ is alive, but what that means that He's alive. What that proves so what does the resurrection prove? 
Well, the angels say to the women as they show up, he is not here, he is risen, just as he said. So essentially, they're saying to the woman, this should not be a shock. This shouldn't be a surprise and twist in God's plot when it comes to his plan of salvation. This resurrection, this rising from the grave, Christ spoke about it, just as he said. So what does this mean? Well, if Christ said this was going to happen, he kept his word. If he said the scriptures say the Son of Man must die and then be raised again, then the scriptures are true. And so the Apostle Paul says in Romans that the truth of the gospel, the reality of who Christ is and what he has done, is proven to be true because Christ rose from the grave. The resurrection proves that he is the Son of God. That it truly is a gospel and good news for this broken world. That truly is a church which is being redeemed and called out of darkness and evil and brought into right relationship with God. Those who repent and turn from the sin, they're now people of God. They have the Spirit of God dwelling in them. They're being transformed and prepared for all eternity when Christ will return and judge the living and the dead and do away with all evildoers and the enemy, Satan himself, it's all true. It's all true. All the gospel promises that we see in the Old Testament and New Testament are yes and amen in Christ. If Jesus had not been raised from the grave, If his body had simply just been stolen, as some people say, or the Pharisees tried to get the guards to come up with a story that his body had been stolen, if that was true, then Christ would just be among many other prophets, politicians, people who had come and made great promises and had great ideas and great hopes and raised up a lot of support and hype, but only to be proven to never be able to actually deal with the issue. If Christ was not raised, the Apostle Paul says in 1 Corinthians 15, then we of all people are to be pitied. Our celebration this morning as we get together and have pancakes and sausage and all the great fellowship, and we're shouting, he is risen, they're shouting, he is risen indeed back. It's all utterly pointless and foolish and completely ludicrous if Christ didn't actually rise from the grave. But because he did, the gospel is true. Because he did, this town of Armprior can know an unshakable hope. There is hope for this broken world. There is hope for broken marriages. There is hope for broken families. There is hope for people who feel like they cannot take life any longer. There is hope. And it's the gospel. And it's it's extended to the world by the risen Christ. What good news. And I pray, church, I pray, I pray, I pray. 
for myself included, that our hearts this morning may be full of joy. That no matter what our circumstances are, no matter what we're going through right now, even if we think we can't take much more, the knowledge of the resurrection of Christ and what that proves would cause our hearts to swell with praise. We'd be overjoyed in a way that we had never had before, this being Easter service unlike any others, that we worship our risen King. It's a great and wonderful truth. But that being said, it's not a truth that is automatically just believed. And that's the third thing we see here in this text. There's a lot of people in this world, and maybe you're one of them, and if you're honest with yourself, that's good to do. It's good to be. The doubt that this resurrection actually happened. A lot of people hear of Christ rising from the grave and saying... No, it's not possible. I know medicine. He died. Even the medical evidence is in the scriptures. So no, this this resurrection idea, it's foolishness. And if the resurrection is foolishness, then the word of God and everything about the gospel is foolishness. So no, I doubt it. I have really big concerns when it comes to this. And maybe you've been coming to the church for years. And you've had doubts. You've wondered whether or not, is this actually true? As we're singing this song, are we actually singing to a living God? Are we singing out into open air? I do not want you to miss this amazing truth that we see here in this passage. God is not surprised by people's doubt. The angels are not surprised by the fact that people made doubt the wonder and truth of this promise of the resurrection. And so, what does God extend to those who doubt? If you are someone who doubts, who is not convinced, this morning I don't want you to feel rebuked. I don't want you to feel cast down. I don't want you to feel like you're foolish. But I want you to know from the word of God that the creator invites you to come and examine the evidence of the resurrection. What do the angels say to the woman? He is risen, just as he said. But, but now, come and see where he laid. You don't believe us? You think we're fooling and joking around? You know how he was racked up. You know how he was put away. Come and see and examine the evidence yourself. And so if you are someone who is just a skeptic when it comes to the resurrection, and you've been full of doubt and wondering, how do I handle this? What do I do about this? Come and examine the evidence. But how do you do that? Unlike the women, we don't have an empty tomb to walk into. So how do we do that here in North America over 2,000 years later? Well, there's some ways in which you can examine the evidence in which God continues to speak through and shows people the power and the truth of the resurrection of Christ. There's a primary way in which he does this, and I want you to note this, because if you're a skeptic, this is what you need to do. First of all, God has given us something by which faith can arise. Romans 10, 14 says that faith, the ability to trust and believe and grasp and know the power of the gospel, 
comes through the reading and hearing of God's Word. God has given us a book inspired by His Spirit, that as we read it, as we get into it, the Spirit of God works through that reading and gives us conviction and understanding and truth and knowledge. One of the primary ways that God works in my life, as He does through all believers, is by opening this book and letting the Spirit of God convict you of the truth. If you're not in this book, if you're not reading the Word of God, doubts will rise and you will struggle. So be in the Word of God. Second thing is to surround yourself with the people of God. God has called the church to let their good deeds or the reality of a resurrected life shine before the world that they may see and believe and worship the Father in heaven. So one of the ways in which the skeptics overcome doubt is not only do they read the word of God and let the spirit convict them and change them, but they see the gospel on display around them. To see the power and the transformation and the change that God can do in someone's life. I know many people that have come to trust in Christ because one of the ways which God worked was to use them seeing the transformation and change in other people. So the primary ways being the Word of God, surround yourself with people of God. And ultimately, one of the things that happens when you do that is you hear their testimonies. Now, there's some people here this morning that may be thinking, yeah, 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 I know, Bible, church, give me something that I actually want to do. Well, there's other ways to complement that that God works through. Some people here this morning may think, well, I don't know if the science really adds up. Historical proof, what's the reliability of these manuscripts? Now, I'm going to recommend to you a book. It's not written by me, so it's going to be good. It was written by a man who was an atheist who went out to prove that the resurrection was wrong. And so he went and explored the science and the historical proof and the reliability of the manuscripts. His name is Lee Strobel. The book is called The Case for Christ. If you want to get into that information and go deep in those aspects, I encourage you to read it because through that and even his own testimony, he comes to realize there's so much overwhelming evidence that the resurrection of Christ is true. So I encourage you to get that book. In fact, I have that. If you want to borrow that, I would gladly lend that to you. One of the ways God works is the testimonies of people, and this is one of the ways in which God has used that to help skeptics and those who doubt the wonder of the resurrection. Next point. When you grasp that the resurrection is true, and when you understand all that it proves, the next thing we see about the resurrection is that it is a message which is to be shared with the world. 
twice in this passage, they're instructed by the angels and then by, later by Christ himself to go and tell the others of this great news that Christ is alive. And ultimately, later on, if you keep reading in Matthew 28, verses 18 to 20, the entire church is given the instruction to go out and make disciples, to make the truth of the gospel known. Here's the truth, church. If the resurrection has taken place, if it really proves all that is true in the gospels, that there really is a hope for this world and Christ is the only hope, and he's making all things new and restoring this world, the last thing this town needs is another positive psychology talk. The last thing this town needs is another spirituality book. The last thing this town needs is another self-help podcast. Or hype over politicians and political parties. You know what this town needs? Jesus. And the message of the resurrection of Christ because it is the only hope. And if it's true, and it's what this broken, sinful world needs, and if faith comes from hearing, then why would we, as the church, those who have been entrusted with this great news, the best news of all time, why in the world would we keep silent? You know, I know a lot of you out there right now are Leaf fans. I know a lot of people at First Baptist in Calvary are also Leaf fans. But not the hard way on Friday. And you guys are excited because you're one win away from doing the impossible. Actually going on in the next round. And you're talking about it and you're tweeting about it and you're, you're sharing about all this exciting news. Can I ask an honest question that we can just wrestle with this morning? Why are we so excited to share news about a hockey team? Why is it that we are sometimes so quiet with the best news of the entire world? And I say this to myself. I am equally challenged by this. Do you realize the message that is given to us? The the ability that God has said, he's saying to his church, I'm making all things new. I'm changing this world. I'm bringing people out of death and into everlasting life. And I'm not just doing it on my own. I'm going to use you. And you're going to be my mouthpiece. And you're going to open and share the good news. And as you share, my spirit is going to work through you. And people are going to come and know forgiveness for sin. They're going to know the kingdom of God. They're going to know freedom from their life. Addictions will break. Wholeness will come. And they will walk into all eternity right with God. Do we want that? I want to be part of that. That's amazing. So I pray. Oh, I pray. And I pray this for myself. Lord, would you give us the ability to overcome our fears? Give us the ability to overcome our our passionless heart sometimes and just with our coworkers, with our friends, with our family, maybe later today you're meeting with relatives who don't even believe. Would you help our lives shine before them, but would you put the message of the resurrection of Christ on our lips? You know, these women, every gospel account, when they hear of the good news, they don't say, well, that's nice. 
They're running, going back and forth. They're going and sharing the news because it is unbelievable. And I think, church, what we need is for the Spirit of God to wake us up to the wonder of what it means that Christ is not dead. He's alive. I knew my heart needs that awakening, that joy, that passion, so that when I see people around and I see my neighbors going by, walking their dogs and stopping on our yard and doing what dogs do, that wouldn't be like, but I would see that person as someone that Christ died for. I would see that person as a mission that Christ is saying, go into the world. Make disciples, not on your own strength. So I pray for you. I pray for this church that when we go out, Elgin Street Baptist would be known as a church which not only shows the gospel, but proclaims it. Now the reality is, church, if we're going to celebrate the resurrection this morning in a way which honors Christ, like I said, I loved this morning having the pancakes, having the fellowship together. I did need that coffee. I'll go into a minute. I love seeing the kids sing, Jesus loves me. But if we're going to celebrate it in a way that honors Christ, that's not enough. We've got to go out and tell the lost. We've got to go out and tell the world. Because that's part of the way in which Christ has called us to live as resurrected people. Maybe it means going out into your neighborhood this week and inviting someone to come to a Sunday service. Maybe it means inviting people to come to men's breakfast on Saturday morning, if it's a man. But I pray that we'd go out and share the gospel. And for those who are, may you continue to be empowered. And for those who aren't, may you be given the desire to do so because our King is alive. Last two things. This deals with the personal transformation that is part of the people of God because of the resurrection. Ultimately, if you are in Christ, meaning if you have repented and trusted in Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, the resurrection, the gospel, the beauty of salvation is for you. If you have not trusted in Christ, and I'm going to say this again, If you have not trusted in Christ, then none of the victory that we celebrate this morning is yours. In order to receive it, you must come unto the risen King, turn from sin, receive His Spirit, and be empowered to walk in the newness of life. So if you come this morning and you haven't repented, You know this morning everything can change, right? This morning, in a moment, it's time. You come to Christ, you repent, you change. Your entire eternity changes. And it's not through coming to church. It's not through dressing up and coming to an Easter service. It's through genuine repentance. So for where that has not taken place, that is the first thing before any of this becomes a celebration. For those who have this morning, we are reminded in this text of great truths that are part of the fruit 
that are part of the aspects of the transformation that is produced in our lives because of the resurrection. First thing that we're reminded about is that as the people of God who have been redeemed, saved, brought out of darkness, brought into everlasting life, one of the qualities that God wants to produce in our life through the Spirit is the reality of being fearless. What does the angel say to the women? What does Christ say to the women? Do not be afraid. Because the reality is, church, if Christ has risen from the grave, if you are justified and made right with God forevermore, if you are currently being transformed in His image and your eternity is forever with God in His kingdom, what in the world do we have to fear? Paul says if God is for us, who could stand against us? But a lot of us this morning may be going around as a victim of fear. And God's not expecting us to be perfect when it comes to this. Even note that the women, as they go away, it says they're still afraid. We struggle with this. We hear the fact that we're called not to be afraid. We're called not to be anxious. We're called not to worry. We're called not to be people who fret. But the reality is, it's a lot harder than we think. Now trials come. Hardships of life come. Relationship strains come. Sickness comes. Job loss comes. Marriages and trials come. And believers, we know we can fear. Not wondering how the bills are going to be paid. The Spirit of God is sent to us to work in us a wonderful work that no matter what is going on in life, even if a doctor gives me the worst news that someone could ever hear, I'm not going to be afraid. I don't have to be afraid because if God is for me, what's going to stand against me? What's going to separate me from the love of God? Nothing. So the world's going on and saying, oh, it's so awful. I can't believe this is happening to you. The believer can shine saying, yes, but guess what? It's not the final word. I'm going to walk through this valley, the shadow of death, with confidence knowing that my God is with me and his goodness and his mercy changes me. Wouldn't that be an amazing testimony to our town and a knowledge of the truth of the resurrection, part of that change that skeptics can look at and see if we are walking around in our circumstances, in our trials, and no matter what comes against us, the Spirit of God is giving us the ability to trust and celebrate, and sing, and rejoice, and praise God even in the storms of life. But it's got to be a work of the Spirit. We're not going to do that in our own strength. I know I certainly can't. I get worried when... Well, I get worried over ridiculous things. You know, I can come up here on a Sunday morning and... Pray to preach in the power of the Holy Spirit, the Word of God, and on Monday morning I can be worrying about whether or not I'm going to have 
gas in the car for the next day, whatever it may be. As the people of God, because of the resurrection, you have nothing to fear. Not even death. Not hell, not judgment, not wrath. So may he transform us to be a fearless people. And lastly, ultimately, when you encounter the resurrected king, when the resurrected king comes by his spirit and dwells within you and you walk in his presence and you walk in his word and you walk in fellowship with him, one of the things that's going to take place in your life is he's going to make you a worshiper. What happens when they see the risen king? They say, Jesus, boy, it's good to see you. Want some fish? No, no. They fell at his feet and clasped to him, and they worshipped him. The reality of the gospel is us being to restore back to who we were created to be. And the Westminster Catechism says in its summary of the doctrines of the faith, the chief goal of life is to glorify God and enjoy him forever. We're created to be worshippers. Part of our sinful nature was to reject the God who was worthy of worship and begin worshiping other things. Idolatry, ourselves. So one of the things that's going to make this people of the resurrection stand out in this world is that in this sinful world where people continue to bow down to idols, whether it be family or relationships or money or sex or jobs or material possessions or their body image, people of God are going to shine in this world in the midst of this crooked and depraved generation by being a people who worship the living God. As a holy people, we've come to worship him in spirit and in truth. And so we shine as the people of the resurrection by worshiping Christ above everything. If you are a believer, your number one joy is not to be your job. It's not to be your truck. Not to be your hockey team. If you are a believer and a person who has been transformed by the resurrection, your joy is Christ. Above everything. And the Spirit of God makes that a reality. So if we're going to be people who celebrate the resurrection this morning, we pray not only will the Holy Spirit continue to make us fearless, but make us worshipers. Help us treasure Christ above everything. Help me worship him above everything so that when I see things of this world, yes, they're nice. Yes, it's nice to decorate your home or you know, go to the beach and have a great day playing volleyball or until you pull a muscle and you're out for the rest of the day, if you're like me. Christ, nothing compares. Nothing compares. Listening to a message a couple weeks ago on the reality of worship. pastor was saying that people, sometimes the church, is not longing for heaven or Christ enough because they're still bowing down to the things of the world. Christ is your treasure. Christ is your God. He's the one you worship. He's the one you long for. When you wake up, give me Jesus. When I lay down, give me Jesus. When I'm driving in my car, 
give me Jesus. I'm going to the hockey game. Give me Jesus. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus about everything. The resurrected people stand out in this world by being people who desire Christ above everything. Apostle Paul account, everything else is lost. Everything. Compared to the priceless and wonderful knowledge of knowing Christ my Lord, my resurrected King. So let's pray that we be people of the resurrection, transformed by it, We'd be people who proclaim the resurrection. As you leave this place this morning, you are going into the mission field where Christ calls you. Let us be people who are empowered by the Spirit to share the good news. For those who are skeptics, be challenged. Be in the Word of God. Come back Sunday after Sunday. Come to a Bible study. Let's have coffee. Get in the Word of God. Read Lee Trouble's book. Challenge and examine the evidence. And next Sunday morning when we gather, it's still the first day of the week. It's still the day Christ has been raised from the grave. So let's come with the same celebration, the same joy, and the same passion. Because forevermore, he is risen. He is risen let's pray. Lord, we're thankful for the resurrection. We're thankful for the truth and the wonder of all that it means. God, we pray you'd awaken our hearts to grasp and understand exactly the truth that is proved by this resurrection. I pray for those who are struggling with doubt, you would allow them to examine the evidence in the Holy Spirit, you would bring about a conviction and a treasure. Empower us to go out and be those who share the gospel with this community. And Lord, help us share the gospel by demonstrating lives which have been transformed by Christ, our risen King. Help us be fearless. Help us be worshipers who glorify you and enjoy you forever. You are the King of kings, the Lord of lords, and we are alive forevermore in you, our risen King. We praise you and glorify you. In Christ's name, amen.